Community College presents Diabetes into the New Decade. I was pregnant earlier this year and I, I did lose the baby and it, it was not because of diabetes, it was just, you know, me. But it's funny because I had spoken to my endocrinologist about it and he said to me, well, what would the big deal be? You've, you've coped. I mean, we would be able to help the child out as well. So I think my bigger issue is um, diabetes and pregnancy because certainly being diabetic complicates a pregnancy and that's a bigger issue for me. When I was first pregnant with my first child, which was 10 years ago, and I found it late in the pregnancy, or it was found late in the pregnancy, it went away after my first child was born and came back immediately when I became pregnant with my second child, and then it did not go away. Uh, I started taking insulin and, of course, went on a special diet, and my first child was born big but and early. It certainly... Uh, made me think about the timing of it and it made me very aware of, you know, checking right away as soon as I did become pregnant. It stopped me from having more than two children, definitely. You know, problems are what you make them. I mean, some people, um, I know, I've been to Russia and, you know, there's some people who won't even travel because they're a diabetic. I've never let it interfere with anything in my life. The only thing that um, I was not permitted to do was um, when I went to the Grand Canyon, I wanted to take a donkey ride down inside the canyon. And they learned that I, we had to fill out a form and was, do you have any medical history? And I had to put that I was a diabetic. And they said, because it was so hot, that they didn't want to take the chance of my going down there. So that's the only thing that prevented me from doing. Plus, I never had any children, and I attribute that to diabetes, too. So two things in life, a donkey ride and no kids, I attribute to diabetes. Left out of control, the diabetic pregnant woman can incur significant complications to both herself and her baby. Many diabetic women feel that it is unsafe to become pregnant. However, with today's advanced blood glucose monitoring technology, diabetic women should not fear pregnancy. The interrelationship between diabetes and pregnancy is explained by Dr. Rhoda Coben, Assistant Clinical Professor of Medicine at Mount Sinai Medical School, New York City. Pregnancy is a, is a different ballgame, and again, type 1 and type 2 fit in very nicely here. People with type 1 diabetes, um, the diabetes is not caused by the pregnancy, all right? But people with type 1 diabetes definitely do get pregnant and have to be monitored very carefully during the pregnancy, and the pregnancy affects the diabetes. In other words, it, it changes some of the metabolic things that are going on in the body, so it changes how we're managing the diabetes doesn't cause it though, didn't cause it. With type 2 diabetes and people who are probably pre-type 2 diabetes, in other words people who may get type 2 diabetes as they're older, there's a phenomenon that's called gestational diabetes. Now gestational diabetes simply means pre uh, pregnancy induced diabetes. Now that doesn't mean the diabetes caused, uh, the pregnancy caused the diabetes. It means that it brought it to our attention. Once the pregnancy is over, the demand is reduced again, and most of those women, probably 90-some percent of them, go back to having perfectly normal blood sugars, but about half of them, as they get older, as they age and sometimes get fatter and get older and the pancreas is uh, limited in its uh, ability to make insulin, now they're going to have diabetes and they're not pregnant any longer. So a goodly portion of gestational diabetics are probably early type 2 diabetics where the demand has been increased because of the pregnancy.
Dr. Bruce Tisch of Englewood Hospital in Englewood, New Jersey, has worked with many diabetic women. The reality is, is that it, it can occur at any time during the pregnancy. We usually test for gestational diabetes at between 24 and 28 weeks by doing a glucose challenge unless we have reason, strong reason to suspect, uh, for example, a strong history or, or a, uh, a history of a particularly large baby. Uh, then we might test earlier, but in general, we'll only test it at that point. We used to categorize, and, some, and many people still do, according to a categorization in terms of the severity of diabetes and the amount of time that the diabetes has lasted. We, we, most people, I think, at this point, categorize diabetics as diabetics who are in control or diabetics who are not in control. The diabetics who are in control, in general, should do as well as the general population and therefore I don't think that in today's day and age with the control we can offer people that uh, I, can re I would rec necessarily recommend to anyone that they not become pregnant. When you're working with a diabetic patient, do you work with that patient in any different way than you would with a normal healthy patient who is non-diabetic? Well, uh, first of all, in it depends on the degree of the diabetes. If it's a gestational diabetic who is controlled by diet alone, in general, I will, I will, once the diagnosis is made, I will see that patient, I will see that patient a couple of times initially in order to ascertain whether the diet alone is able to control her diabetes. And then she'll, up until the time that she gets to term, will have fairly, no, will have fairly normal visits, much as any other person would. The uh, although I will test her, I will test her blood sugar certainly more frequently than I would the average patient. In the patient who is a, who is a di who is diabetic in pregnancy, not just the gestational diabetics, in other words, the insulin-dependent diabetic, that patient you will start testing normally at 28 weeks. You will see they will have ultrasounds every every four to six weeks. They will. Uh, You'll see them usually on a weekly basis, starting at uh, approximately 28 weeks. They begin to have uh, they begin to have certain testing for fetal well-being, such as non-stress tests. And uh, so, in general, those patients will be followed will be followed more often and followed more rigidly. Does the pregnant diabetic have more difficulty with the pregnancy? Well, I think that the Difficulty it depends on whether you're saying physical or psychological difficulty. I think that the physical difficulties are the physical dif difficulties of diabe diabetics. I think that most of us who are not diabetics would think of diabetes as being a fairly difficult thing because it's something that we must always be conscious of, something that we have to that sort of rules our lives, or or at least the certain aspects of our lives. Uh, I think that the psychological part is very hard because people in general who have not had diabetics picture diabe diabetes as a disease that you die from, and that isn't necessarily true. And uh, I think that, especially, th especially since many of these diabetics will be diabetics only during their pregnancy, and I think that they have a lot of, uh, that the fears that they have of diabetes are a burden to them. but. Uh, most people who are pregnant have are very concerned for how their babies are going to be and 
probably much more so than they are concerned for how they're going to be. And if you can assure them, as you can, that they have as good a chance as having a healthy baby as anybody else does, if they will stay within certain parameters, they accept those parameters. And I don't think that, I don't think that they themselves view their pregnancies as harder than somebody else's. The patient must get control of her blood glucose, and they do get control of their blood glucose. I think that uh, while I do not really deal with the diabetes of non-pregnant diabetics, uh, my guess would be that the diabetics that I see from the diabetologists that I talk to are much more compliant than the average person who has diabetes is, or perhaps than, than the particular person who has diabetes would be, perhaps because they conceive of it or they are made to conceive of it as more likely being a short-term illness, something that they will recover from. And most people can accept a lot, many more burdens over a short period of time than they could over a long period of time. Is there anything that a diabetic pregnant woman should not do that another pregnant woman could do, for example, any special guidelines for exercise or for diet? I think that the, in terms of the exercise, I think that they should be exercising as anybody else exercises. They, uh, they're basic, basically healthy people that have a certain disease and that disease has to be treated, assuming that it's a medical treatment that should be treated medically, assuming it's a, uh, a diet treatment, then they should maintain their diet. Uh, certainly their diets are different from that of the general population if for no other reason than they their meals are more, are more they eat more meals during the day uh, the meals are divided differently there's a certain compulsion that goes into eating that most of most pregnant women would not have so uh, I think that that's I think that that's the major difference I think also uh, although the amount of calories they consume is probably pretty close to that which a non a non-diabetic person would normally eat uh, there is a rigidity of control of the diet that I don't think that most people would want to live with if they weren't diabetic. If a woman does not take control of her blood glucose during her pregnancy, what's the worst case scenario that uh, could occur? Baby dies and mother dies. The, uh, there is a real risk of, first of all, it, in, before we uh, started to get this rigid control, we would have many unexpected deaths at, at, at or close to term, uh, which we no longer find with, uh, when we control them. The, uh, there are other things that, that are present in diabetics, such as the fact that the incidence of major malformations is roughly four to five times as great in the diabetic. However, these often do not relate to control, but rather relate to control before somebody's pregnant, so we make it clear to diabetics before they get pregnant that it's, that it's as, if not more important, to be in rigid control uh, before you ever get pregnant in order to control the abnormalities that are going to happen early in pregnancy. Uh, the additional things that can happen is if, they, is if they're not controlled, their babies tend to be macrosomal or tend to be large, and there are attendant difficulties with that. The minimum difficulty with that is the marked increase in the cesarean section rate, but also the, there is increased damage to babies that are large uh, in terms of their deliveries, which can cause major 
difficulties such as palsies or inability to, to move the extremities, uh, which can be permanent. Uh, so there are really major risks in the person not being uh, rigidly controlled. If she controls her diabetes before she gets pregnant, in other words, if she plans for the pregnancy, the major abnormality should be no higher than in the general population. If she rigidly controls her diabetes during the pregnancy, and that should not be a really tremendous burden on her, that she has as good a chance, if not better than the general population, of having a successful pregnancy outcome. And the reason I say better is that the more you control the pregnancy, the more, the more things you watch out for and the more careful you are in a pregnancy, the better your results are going to be. And since they are so carefully watched, they really should have exactly the same, if not better, chances during a pregnancy than non diabetic pregnancy would have. I'd like to reiterate the position that I think that it's unfortunate that many diabetics feel that it is unsafe for them to have pregnancies and uh, I think that uh, they should really do more reading and consult with more people and uh, and and I think that they will be uh, they'll be happy to know that uh, that there are real chances a really good chance for a successful pregnancy outcome for the diabetic child and his parents the realization of having a chronic disease can be traumatic Jim a 33-year-old type 1 diabetic since the age of 7, recalls though his diabetes was accepted by his mother, his father reacted differently. Uh, not many people have uh, the experience of getting diabetes, I guess, on July the 4th or realizing that they have it. And I guess when I realized it, or more correctly, my parents realized it when I was at a drive-in movie of uh, King Kong versus Godzilla and was running back and forth between the refreshment stand and the bathroom almost at 15-minute intervals. They took me to my uh, family physician who was away at that time, and we went to his, uh, the doctor who was filling in for him. And they, in, on the basis of what my, uh, my parents told him, he did a blood sugar test. And it turned out that my blood sugar was at, uh, I think, at 465, which is a very high level. And he immediately said that I had to go into the hospital because he, th he knew I was becoming a diabetic. The way I was treated in the hospital was that it's something you just either have to live with or you're not going to live. Um, that's kind of a cold reality to hit a seven-year-old child, but when it's put in terms of black or white and those are the only two choices you have, you don't have much time to be emotionally appalled by it. You just have to deal with it. Do you think your parents felt guilty in any way? I think... My mother didn't at all, but I think my dad did. I think, I think to some extent, because at that time diabetes was, was far less understood than it is now, and I think my dad kind of blamed himself for it, you know, that, uh, that it was his fault that, um, that I wasn't going to be able to be like every other little boy that was growing up, that I wouldn't be able to participate and do the things that other little boys would do. And uh, unfortunately, he's not alive to know it, but uh, maybe he is, maybe he does know it now that, you know, diabetic boys and girls can do just as much, if not more, than anybody else. Very young diabetics need as much attention to good control as their older counterparts. In this respect, the parents play an important role, as explained by Dr. Malcolm S. Schwartz, 
Chief of Pediatrics at Barnard Memorial Hospital in Patterson, New Jersey. Well, the parents usually can provide, if the child is not old enough, the, ch the parents can provide um, most of the information that you need, which, which includes uh, how the child is eating, is he urinating frequently, is he sleeping through the night, and then your charts that you follow these children as far as their growth and development. Uh, are they growing well? Are they gaining a normal amount of weight and not too much or too little? Uh, give you a lot of information. And also the reporting of the blood sugars that they take three, four times, three to four times a day also give you a great deal of information. The idea is to keep, a, uh, keep the blood sugar within certain limits to promote exercise and good nutrition and to see that the child functions in his or her society, whatever that is for, for the age, uh, reasonably well. I've, I've spoken with some diabetics who were diabetics since the age of four, mm -hmm. and they're now in their 50s. Um, the feeling is that the earlier one is diagnosed as being diabetic, the easier it is to uh, f maintain good control throughout life. Do you find this to be true? Um, no. Uh, not not generally. I'm, uh, no, I don't want to say not generally, but not in all cases. Uh, the, if you if you diagnose them very young, many times as they reach a period in their life, be it adolescence or some uh, psychological psychologically traumatic uh, uh, episode, such as a parent parents uh, separating or or the loss of a parent. Uh, Sometimes these children rebel and uh, and and do not comply to the regimen that has been established. When you, when you say that sometimes they rebel, is it more difficult to deal with teenagers than it is with small um, infants? Yes, because the the bottom line on the small infant is is making you know is making sure that the parents uh, understand what what's going on and how important it is to comply, and they usually do. Teenagers can do what they want and usually do that too. Dr. Stephen Kurtz, Director of Psychological Services for the Diabetes Control Foundation in Flushing, New York, works with diabetic children who are having difficulty maintaining good control. The, the children and, and youth who get referred to me basically fall into two categories. One is the sort of four to six year old who is panicking and phobic about something that may be about taking needles, it may be about having to tell friends at school, it may be about having to break up their routines, and that's more a parent-child issue. But for the teenager, the, the terrible irony is that at the point in their lives where they want fewest rules and the most independence, they have the burdens of diabetes, which requires more rules, less independence, and much more self-management than the average teenager would have to impose on themselves. And that is the crisis that brings most non-diabetic teenagers in here anyway, not adhering to rules. What's scary for teenagers is that they start to realize for, for brief moments that they're not immortal. That in fact, when they start feeling some discomfort or start feeling somewhat different than their peers, it is easier in the short run to deny that. And the way to do that is to forget you have diabetes. So if, if I want to forget that I have diabetes, so that I feel like I'm fitting in more, I can skip my shots. Because if I'm not taking shots, obviously I'm not diabetic.
if I want to forget that I have diabetes so that I can fit in when I go out with the gang to the pizza place, the easiest way to do it is just to eat pizza because if I'm eating three slices like my buddy, I don't have diabetes and I'm normal. So unfortunately in the short run, they can deny the diabetes to some extent by not taking care of it. And unfortunately, there's no, there aren't really any immediate physical consequences. Yes, they feel a little bit more tired, but they don't attribute it to not taking care of the diabetes. They attribute it to staying up late the night before. They may be a little irritable, but they might attribute that just to being a teenager and to having parents who are on their back all the time. And so unfortunately, because there are no short-term physical reminders, they don't feel as much of a motivation to take care of the diabetes. And teenage years tend to be very, very difficult. If you look at some of the blood tests we have that measure diabetes control, teenage years, all of the factors being considered run the highest blood sugars. The sort of scientific confounding problem there, though, is that they're going through other hormonal changes and hormones affect blood sugars directly. So part of the worsening in diabetes control is due to hormones, and part clearly due to their difficulty taking care of the illness at that point. Dr. Schwartz feels diabetic children, as well as their parents, need to cope with many fears. There are a lot of fears. There are many fears that are uh, expressed by parents and the children. And the children. Um, uh, the, the more educated the parents are, the more they know that, that there are complications later in life. Uh, with the di with the uh, you know with diabetes, and they worry about that. And there's not a whole lot we can tell them, you know, which complications their child are uh, are prone to. Uh, we do tell them that the better the control, the better the chances of delaying or avoiding the complications. The children, I think, uh, several things are very important in, in managing uh, a, a child as they grow up. One is, or maybe the most important, is to let them know that even though they have a disease that will be lifelong, they will be able to do anything anybody else can do, meaning they will be able to participate in any sport they want, they will be able to go to school and study and become any the kind of student that they choose to be. And, and none of those choices are, are, uh, are revoked by the... Uh, because they have diabetes. They do have to follow a certain diet, which uh, is certainly improved these days with, with, with different substitutes, and they must take uh, one, two, or three injections of insulin a day, uh, whatever, whatever the amount that controls them. But other than that, um, they, can, they can develop into the person they choose to do, that they choose to be. And I think that must be... Um, that must be reiterated time and time again because they see themselves as different, because they're, they're the ones that are giving themselves or getting injections two or three times a day. And, and they see themselves as different, and they tend sometimes to, uh, to, to have a poor self-image. And it's our, when I say ours, the parents and the, the medical community who treat uh, di diabetics, our obligation to, to sort of guide them through this. The other thing, the opposite also can occur. Uh, kids with diabetes learn uh, in some families that 
that they can manipulate their surroundings and their parents and sometimes their teachers uh, because of their disease and therefore can tend to withdraw or uh, cop out or whatever you want to call it uh, and, and you have to try to prevent that again through discussions with the parents and the child. Is there any correlation between diabetic parents and children becoming diabetic? It, it's not a one-to-one. -one. We think that, di that uh, insulin-dependent diabetes or diabetes type 1, which is what we're, ta which is what we're talking about, um, is, uh, is caused by several things. First of all, you have to have a genetic predisposition. So if the parents have it, or if they have, even if they don't have it and have certain genetic markers that predispose people to di diabetes and they pass them on to their children, that child becomes a candidate to, to get diabetes. The, the second thing that needs to happen is some insult to their body, which causes their body, and when I say insult, I mean something like a virus or usually a virus. Uh, that that causes the body to produce antibodies and an immune reaction against their pancreas, which destroys those cells that make insulin. So you need both. You need a genetic predisposition, and you need the insult and the ability to to do that, to, to react in that way to produce the chemicals in the cells to destroy your own pancreas. When that happens, you become diabetic. Now, just because a parent is diabetic doesn't mean the child is going to be diabetic. It's not one-to-one. -one. Even if both parents are diabetic, they're, they're, the child still needs um, to have to inherit the genetic background to become a diabetic and needs that insult to their, uh, to their system that can cause them to build uh, uh, a reaction against their own pancreas. I, I just, again, want to... Uh, repeat that, that diabetics can be treated uh, and can live a, a long and fruitful uh, life. One of the things that makes it a whole lot easier than eight or nine years ago is that the ability to, to test blood sugars at home. And there are machines that do it very accurately. With that, with that uh, piece of equipment or with that, with that modality, uh, managing diabetes has become easier although more complicated meaning you have to teach more but it's then easier to manage the blood sugars and the uh, and the problems of diabetes because you have more information with that ability uh, it's certainly true that, that diabetics can live a, a, nor, a, a near normal life and can develop into the people they choose to be Diabetes Into the New Decade was written and produced by Marshall Katzman. Technical assistance was provided by Jack Durr. Special thanks to Nancy Zobeline, RN, Certified Diabetes Educator, Englewood Hospital, Dr. William J. Muster, Ridgewood, New Jersey, Professor Regina Moore, Bergen Community College, and the Hackensack Medical Center. The presenter was Marshall Katzman. This is Amelia Duggan speaking.